Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast where nihilistic robots make you laugh and regal corgis make you cry. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we are talking about the Cartoon Network animated mini-series, Infinity Train. Created by Owen Dennis, the series pilot episode premiered in November 2016 and was picked up for a full miniseries, which premiered in August 2019. Two more seasons have been made at the recording of this episode, with a fourth seemingly on the way. The story begins with Tulip, a young girl who runs away from home and finds herself in a different dimension on the Infinity Train. The train is seemingly endless and made up of a multitude of cars, each with its own unique fun, and sometimes scary environment. Guided only by a number that decreases seemingly at random, Tulip makes her way towards the engine room, where she hopes to find answers and a way off the train. The series was met with widespread critical acclaim and was nominated for Best Special Production at the Annie Awards. And, as always, there will be spoilers. Now, we have a bit of an interesting history with this film because, well, for me personally, I had never heard of Infinity Train before about uh, two, three weeks ago. Uh, I did not know that this was a miniseries, and I only watched it within the past couple of days. Uh, And I have to say, I really liked this, uh, at least the first season. I only watched the first season, and what I saw, was I was kind of blown away by it. Uh, but what about everybody else here? What's your sort of history with Infinity Train? And uh, what did you think about it? What were your first impressions? Uh, yeah, I uh, I had never heard it before. Uh, literally, when I heard uh, Infinity Train, I thought, uh, isn't that the Demon Slayer movie? <laughs> um, <laughs> and it is. And it is. Yeah, but... no, it's, you're totally right. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Actually, did this come? Actually, I can't even. I, I my timing is weird. Twenty sixteen. Did this come before that? I don't. Maybe, maybe, probably. I don't know. The Infinity, the Infinity Train, Demon Slayer movie came out last year. So right, but Infinity was that Train. was that in the manga? That's the thing. Though. Yes, it was. So, so technically, whatever. Any. Yeah, we can we can argue. You should read really the long. manga. Yeah. Um. Regardless. Uh. Yeah. Uh, 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 same with Alex. Like. After watching like two episodes of the first two episodes, right of, of season one, um, I was kind of hooked. Uh, I've only like Alex, I've only seen season one, and for me at least, the sort of initial impression that I got was, you know, a sort of series of somewhat loosely connected literal like cars, but like an still an overarching plot that was really interesting to me, and the way that they tied all the all that together was really cool. Um, and, uh, and of course, like it also, it, like it brought a lot of intrigue right out of the gate, um, at least in the first episode. And, uh, I was like, oh my God, what's, what's this? What's, why, what's sucking them out? What are these weird cockroach dog things? And I'm like, what the heck is going on? What is this robot? Um, so yeah, it, it really intrigued me. And, uh, I, I, uh, I, I do plan on watching the rest, uh, either eventually or very soon. Yeah. Uh, same deal for me. Uh, I watched the entirety of season one about five hours ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's really short. It's really nice. That it's yeah. Kind of, it's oh yeah. Short. No, I See, mean, I, ten minute episodes. I remember ten episode seasons. Like, yeah. I remember Iris mentioning Infinity Train long time ago. This is one. Of yeah. The, uh, no, I. It, it really struck long me the first time, time I watched it. And you know, 
I'm not going to say that I'm very, I'm very negative towards new TV like recommendations, but I feel like you really missed an opportunity to tell me that the episodes were only ten minutes long <laughs> at that time because I would have been much more interested to watch it then than on it. Like I'm certain I told you it was a miniseries. Nah, I'm see, very well, certain I told anything. you it was a miniseries. Yeah, yes, it, it does. Mean well, whatever. Anyway. Uh, Having yeah. now watched it, I'm very glad I did. Uh, I, too, was also pretty much immediately hooked from the first episode on. I think it reminds me a lot of Gravity Falls in the way that everything is, you know, just very kind of energetic. Everything seems to be, you know, there is an overarching plot, but everything is kind of self-contained. There isn't anything extraneous, I feel like. Uh, the entirety of the plot, at least for season one, just went straight through without any kind of hiccup or any kind of, I don't know... Uh, slice of life episode that was necessary it just felt like a nice kind of 10 episode series that just told a story and it was a great story so it, it felt very concise to me in a yeah. good way yeah yeah, yeah. i mean they didn't really have any time to waste right you know as i mentioned like a hundred minutes of television is really not that much time at all uh but yeah so i actually I don't remember precisely how this happened, but I ended up watching the original pilot when it was released in November 2016. And this was just sort of one of those things, right? Because, you know, like t uh, pilots for various like television show pitches get produced all the time. Most of them never make it to an actual production stage. A lot of the ones that do end up in a very different uh, form. You know, like you can you can find a lot of your favorite cartoons and watch the pilots and they are radically different than the shows that you've seen. But I ended up watching the pilot, which uh, I'll, I'll explain is a roughly follows uh, the story of episode three, right, uh, where we've got Tulip and one one and they meet Atticus and they, you know, forge across the river, find the monster. There's the big uh, the steward, as we learn, right. right, the thing with the the hole behind its blue flame eyes and machine guns and tentacles and everything. And I was hooked immediately. Uh, it hadn't quite settled on its aesthetic that it later found, but it was just so interesting because we only had that one little bit, that one like 10 minute snippet. So we didn't know like, what is this number? Why is it going up and down? What is this train? Who is Tulip? Why is she here? All these questions. Because, uh, you know, that the pilot episode really kind of dropped you right into the middle of a lot of these things have already been established. But... In any case, I remember after watching this pilot going to Reddit and, you know, there was like a, a, a burgeoning subreddit for it. You know, it was, it was, I want to say like less than a week old at the time. And, you know, like, like 500 people and, you know, people were posting about like their theories and what's this mean? And, uh, you know, I really hope that Cartoon Network picks this up because it's a fascinating idea and I want to see more. And I just kind of at the time was like, you know, this is a really cool thing, and it's a shame we're not going to get to see more of it, because that's what happens with most pilots for, for shows like this. Um, but, you know, lo and behold, like two years later, there's an actual full freaking show behind it. And I just, I I loved it from the start. I love the, like, the the combination of, like, whimsy and, like, very deeply unsettling reality just kind of meshed into each other. I love the like it's so direct and to the point and underneath like i think a lot of really just fascinating little snippets of ideas like they've set up the show in such a way that they get to write a bunch of interesting things to happen very briefly and then we move on i think in amidst all that like frenzy of like stuff happening there's a lot of really thoughtful writing 
in this show and a lot of really thought-provoking writing. So I'm a really huge fan of this. I love how they have set up their seasons. You know, we're going to be talking mostly about season one today because uh, that's what I told y'all to watch. But like each of the seasons is sort of its own like self-contained arc and it, you know, talks, I mean, the, the core content of it, you know, behind all the fantastical other worlds and, you know, magic and, you know, random fantasy events going on. It's about, you know, people learning to grow as people, you know, and like learning to deal with their problems. And I think that's, I don't know, I think it's a very powerful message in a way that you might not expect just from looking at the exterior. Yeah, yeah. The the show really handles or balances the comedy and the more serious sides uh, that it explores in a really nice and concise way. It doesn't feel too ham-fisted either way, especially in those short 10-minute episodes. Uh, but I wanted to ask all of you, uh, as we usually do on this show, uh, of all the different characters we meet across the uh, 10 episodes of the first season of Infinity Train, who's your favorite? And we're not going to be talking about Tula because we have a whole other section for her. I feel like we're going to be talking a lot about her a little later. But aside from Tulip, who is your favorite character? And uh, I'll let you guys go first so I don't steal anybody's answer. Randall. <laughs> just kidding uh, unpopular uh, although i like randall <laughs> he was funny in that episode um favorite character huh i i think that like the favorite my favorite character that has like has speaking lines uh is probably the cat i think just because she like how do how do i even how do i even like portray what i'm trying to say but like one she is really interesting to me like the fact that she knows the conductor and she like uh is looking i i okay this is actually a question that i had how what how does she know the conductor this 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 i did not know how this worked is it because she has her tape they, is it explained i'm not sure it's explained they don't they don't really go into a whole lot of detail about it in season 1 I okay. think sort of the implication is like one, she has Amelia's tape, yeah. and two, she's just sort of that kind of person, right? You know, she's right. the very the the socialite and very uh, you know honeyed, silver tongue, and likes to you know get in people's good graces, likes to know you know where power is and stuff. Yeah. Like she's exactly the sort of conniving person who would be like, I'm going to go find the conductor and like use them to gain power. Mm-hmm. I'm the cat. Yeah, I think you put it very well. Like. That the character just in it of itself in the in the setting of the Infinity Train where it's hard to sort of because like you know the whole part the whole point of the of the train is that the cars are pretty much well self contained like obviously things bleed over but it just seems like the cat can go wherever she wants and I'm like ooh that interests me. Um, well, if you're interested by the idea of <laughs> things from trains going to other cars, wait till season two. Right, of course, of course. Um, and then I I also wanted to mention though that. The one character that doesn't get a speaking line, technically, um, is the custodian. Because the custodian is just so evocative in its imagery, I think. And like You mean like the, the, the steward? The steward, sorry. I thought mm-hmm. it was custodian. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember. Uh, uh, I think they talk about it. They refer to it as the custodian when they first meet it. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Because they don't know what it is. Right. Uh, but later on, it is named the steward. Right. And... Um, I'd like I don't know like just the just the image of it and it's like 
it's 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 genuinely scary at some points and it's like kind of macabre at other points and it has guns for eyes for some reason (laughs) Um, so yeah like those two characters really really kind of like dragged me through the series in, in a good way like they were like oh i want to learn more about these two all right well i think the only correct answer here is one 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 is absolutely the best character i knew you'd say that <laughs> oh my god i mean besides the fact that he's very clearly a marv reference from hitchhiker's guide uh, mm-hmm. he's he's hilarious from the first moment you meet him in episode two and he does not stop being hilarious even <laughs> as like the the conclusion to season one rolls he's Every single one of his lines, regardless of whether or not it's the cheery one or the like, the nihilistic sad, one, they're always just fucking funny. Um, I also wanted uh, Amir or Michael with the shout out to the steward. Uh, I don't know if one of the things that I had to I noticed was in the ball pit episode. Um, uh huh. I was going to mention they, if you did when they first when they eventually get to like the prize room, you can yeah. see the steward crawling outside the train in the what? window. You can. I believe there are oh, there are three God. separate moments. There are three separate moments in that episode where if you look in the background, the shadow of the steward yeah, is yeah. like there for okay, like that's cool. half a second. I did not most. notice that, but that's cool. And There's like, a lot of details in this show. Uh, we'll get to that later, but I, even though the the steward having, in my opinion, the steward having machine gun eyes, completely fucking ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I, I could not take her seriously when that happened on the on the screen, but at every other time, like and especially with those kind of uh, foreshadowed moments, like that is a very creepy, like not main antagonist. Like, yeah, it was like. For a for what I assume is kind of the same caliber show like Steven Universe or Gravity Falls, where it is kind of directed towards kids, this is pretty this is pretty creepy. That's like nightmare inducing for kids, I would say. So, yeah, it gets great characters all around, but one one really is the only correct answer. I, in my book. I also wanted to add something with the steward is that from just in general, I don't know why, but I really like the idea of the of having the antagonist but having the antagonist behind the antagonist and so like you know the steward is set up to be the antagonist because really you don't really know what else could be the antagonist they're like oh my god this steward's like trying to put her back in her car or whatever and then you find out later that obviously emilia is the true antagonist but like that, that it just it like it tickled me I'm like oh that was that was satisfying i like that well on that note actually uh like if we're talking about like the correct answers of course the correct answer is atticus <laughs> okay yeah because I, yeah, I will say i've thought that atticus was funnier than one one for me personally atticus, well he's adorable and he's hilarious and i think something that <clears throat> something that works really well with both atticus and the cat in particular but a lot of the sort of characters that are of the train that we meet who are not tulip they have a lot of different sort of like inspirations it seems like blended very well together because the cat let's say as as an example we've talked about her a couple times she's you know the smooth talking sort of like very refined very elegant you know has this whole thing for being a collector like finding her special items and uh this whole like very human personality melded very well with just like being a cat you know preening a bunch and taking naps and being all like oh yes i am a cat i am the best thing you know if if you're if anyone has ever known a cat in real life they're all like that um 
you know, Atticus at the same time, you know, a very noble, very regal sort of personality, you know, very much like I am the king and, you know, I stand for doing what's right in my ideals. And let me tell you the ballads of my people. We are renowned poets. And also barks at his own reflection and has to be, you want to go outside, want to go outside, like (laughs) in a way that doesn't feel jarring. I think it's very well written, you know, and it evokes such a, a, a sense of unreality. Uh, that I think is is really crucial. But anyway, that's like the correct answer. But no, no, no. we're all see, getting see, shout outs. See, here, and... here, here's the thing. I f- my opinion, and this is probably going to be a little bit of a hot take, is that I think they overdid it with the way, especially Atticus, like is essentially self referencing the fact that he is a dog uh, for the purpose of humor, like multiple times. I feel like they overdid it. The reason why I find one one so fucking funny is because we don't know what he is. He literally just is funny by the fact that by the way he delivers his lines and the way that like his timing after everyone says anything. I'm not trying to make a big deal about out of this, but <laughs> one one is. The I mean, answer. I you're also just you have a very cynical sense of humor, right? Like one one, I think I mean, very no, much. I, it speaks was, to your sensibilities. A- Atticus is also hilarious, like especially when he goes off on those regal tangents. Like it's really funny listening to him. I think. One of his funniest moments was in the Crystal episode. Uh-huh, where he goes uh-huh, off yeah. about that, you know, the history of his people or whatever. <laughs> but I, I mean, like the the dog not going through the door joke was already a little bit like it was done the first time, and by the time it happened the second time, I was like, eh. Okay, but they did it twice, uh, and that's all they needed, though. I thought yeah. that that was concise. I'm enough. glad they didn't do it any more than twice. But it feels it feels like this is perhaps a matter of taste <laughs> yeah. rather than of of also writing. So, for any of the French speakers here, is the cat's French, like, good? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. It's it's good. It fits. Uh, I mean, I could tell you what she says at various points, but it's not super... Wait, when did she... I'm trying more... to remember what she even it's said. It's just a couple times. It's just, like, sprinkled in. Yeah. It's, like, uh, at one time, he's just like, oh, I would never. Uh, oh. Or, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Right, like right, that. right, right, right. Uh, but the other character shout out I wanted to give was actually to Amelia, to the conductor, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fake conductor, as we later learned. But I just, uh, you know, the whole you know antagonist behind the antagonist thing you mentioned, Michael, is a big part of that. The other thing is I'm just in love with the aesthetic of the conductor, right? You know, this uh, emerging from the shadows as we see her a couple times, the, the, the red line that turns into the, 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 the sound wave as yeah. she speaks, the voice, mm-hmm. ugh. This show has some great sound design. I mean, the music is like, it's very Stranger Things yeah. is what the theme that, music that's is. That's actually very uh, mm, Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the, the sort of the synthy, bassy kind of stuff. And the, you know, the voice of the conductor is great too. And then the way that like we learn about her past and like the end of that season and just how quickly she turns from this like faceless force of malevolence and, you know, menace and being all sinister to like a real tragic story and like someone we feel really bad for and the i mean i when i rewatched these recently i knew it was coming but like the first time that i saw the reveal of the number just going up her arm and yeah. all the way to her neck mm-hmm. like i gasped yeah it was it was a it was a big moment and i think that amelia as a character really serves a lot of roles very quickly and very well in a way that it doesn't it does you know it doesn't feel like we get emotional whiplash from meeting her to seeing her like be this evil awful person to like feeling Another bad for her in like 20 minutes yeah. of tv yeah yeah you de- know definitely i think they handle it all very smoothly mm-hmm. i i have to agree with 
you, Iris, on. Uh, my favorite characters are also uh, Atticus and Amelia. It would be Atticus, wouldn't it be? Oh, <laughs> of course it would. I'd I give mean, you come on. Pass. A dog. And uh, I have to say, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about episode eight in particular and the, the yeah. shift in tone. But when she when she appears as the conductor and just towers over Tulip, I, I don't know what it is, like the framing of those moments or the line delivery of all of the conductor's lines in episode eight just struck me as super Music memorable. plays a big part. Music plays a big part, how they like like start and just stop the music, especially that one line where she's like, I am the conductor. Mm-hmm. And like a, a split second before that, all the like menacing synth in the background just stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, I, I can't believe they did Atticus dirty. I, I gasped when he got uh, more <laughs> I, I was uh, When I watched that, I was like, Ooh, Alex ain't gonna like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, if they actually kill Atticus, oh, I, man. that's what I, I thought. They, I thought he wasn't gonna. I know. Spoil. I was like, I, I thought, was holding out hope gonna... that they could do that, but I was like, no, yeah, I thought gonna they weren't that. gonna get, get him back. I thought that mm-hmm. was that was. Like you know who they actually the didn't get back shit. though, Mister Khaki Pants. Oh. A moment of silence, please, for Mister Khaki <laughs> Pants. We don't, we don't see him die on screen, so he's missing an. Action. Yeah, but like his entire kingdom got like destroyed and okay, well yeah we, we that's very sad it. but i mean the cat survived and he she had like fucking bits of plastic on top of her so <laughs> I, fluffy I, pants I, is made of cotton right mm-hmm. i do have to say it's like less durable than bone and body <laughs> bet i do have to say i <laughs> i love all of the other like the characters that we see for like five seconds at most just the character designs the mustached crystal man yeah whatever Chris, his crystal name mario I, I i thought he was crystal mario when i first saw him. Like, that's <laughs> hilarious. um the 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 flex the mirror police yes mm. also mm-hmm. also fucking ben mendelson voices the australian the one of the the police that's australian as soon as i heard his accent i was like oh my god that's ben mendelson <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Talk if you want to talk about Mendelssohn. Um, I believe his name is Mace. Uh, mm-hmm. He has he has an appearance or two in season two. Yeah, th- this voice cast is stacked. We were talking about this before the episode, but yeah, really great all around. But yeah, it's like uh, we have Ashley Johnson, we have Ben Mendelssohn, we have uh, Lena Headey. Yeah. Uh, who else? Help help me out here. We were listing names. Yeah. D. Bradley Baker, the you know, the one, the only uh of course there's some, there's some great talent yeah just go y- y'all should just check out the imdb page uh and see what we're talking about but ernie I, I hudson to... that was the other one that i wanted to mention ernie yeah, hudson, ernie hudson. Yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i do want to dive into tulip's whole character arc though right now because i feel like over the course of these 10 episodes we have a sort of complete closed off uh perfect example of the quote-unquote uh hero's journey or like the journey to find oneself uh because right at the beginning tulip has a very specific want that she she expresses like she wants her parents to get back together they have separated from one another and can can i just say the whole sort of uh backstory of tulip's parents and the way they showed it the the conversations that our parents have about like arguing with one another was super well done really realistic and really uh they didn't ham it up or 
turn up the dial for any of those conversations. Made it really realistic. But it was very sensitively handled, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because things like things like divorce, things like emotional uh, struggles or relationship struggles, I feel like a lot of shows, especially cartoons, can tend to like just inflate them, over dramatize them because then it's like something, and they can, you know, and then you, you know, it I guess plays out better on screen if you don't trust your viewer to like take a second to appreciate them. But I I really like that Infinity Train didn't do that. One of the things that I'd also like to shout out is the memory sequence where. Uh, Tulip kind of sees the or, or lives through her memories and especially that whole part about the divorce that was actually very well done because you know as Iris said they can be over dramatized when you're trying to put that in the context that a kid would understand but I felt like they portrayed the way a kid would react when hearing that their parents get divorced in a very kind of tasteful way because at first it comes out with like the flames in the background and it looks quite literally like the end of the world for the kid and then she has this moment where she kind of comes out of that. She, uh, it's not necessarily accurate to say she matures in that period of time, but she comes out and she I mean, sees her number it. goes down. Uh-huh. <laughs> Big fat. Well, I mean, like that exact scene, though, right? Like, talk about effective use of an unreliable narrator yeah, and effective very, use of yeah. juxtaposition. That's another thing they do really well in this show. Is like juxtaposing, uh, you know, not necessarily two extremes, but like we were, we're going to talk about it with episode eight. It happens again in this moment, the juxtaposition of her sort of interpretation of the memories versus what actually happened. Like it's, it's, it's nuanced, but it's not hard to understand. I need to, uh, <laughs> okay. It's been a while, but, uh, I am, I am, I am once again, uh, simping for Sanderson. Oh, man. <laughs> in, He's back. in in one of uh his lectures that uh he does at uh i think it was boston university i can't remember um and specifically the one he talks about plot he talks a lot about progress and how progress is a great way to make people interested in your plot just inherently if they see like oh we're making progress towards something then they'll be like Oh, what's going to come next? Or like, where does this go? Like, how does how do these previous things that we've done affect the later things? And you know, with a lot of uh, cartoons, especially with a cartoon that is has episodes that are ten minutes long, that is obviously constrained to the point where it's like you have to make sure that you get a self-contained story within ten minutes. It's really easy to you know fall into a sort of cycle where you have things in episodes that either don't feel like they like either they don't matter or you feel like you could skip over it or they're like so integral to what's going on it's like this one episode could just be the entire show so for me the structure itself of the infinity train is one of the big things that brought me into this because of the fact that there was a very clear albeit somewhat vague indication of progress as Iris said, you know, when the pilot first came out, they were like, what is this number and why is it ticked down and how does this even do so? And the 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 backstory episode was a great example of like this episode is all about backstory, but it is still progress because that is what is progressing and that is what the progress, the plot of this show is about. So the backstory doesn't feel like it's like, okay, we need to go into their backstory so we understand this character's motivation. It's like, no, we need to go to the backstory because that is what the character needs to do right now. 
Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, I can confirm that the number one like motivator of discussion of the pilot before the actual show came out was, what does the number mean? What do the numbers mean? <laughs> uh, like, what do the number mean? Why it went up and down the way it did? And I think even the vagueness of this progression, right? You know, there's there's the number being like its own sort of progress marker as it ticks down. But I think also the the journey of discovering what the number means, what the train means, why the train's here, what Tulip is here for. That's another like, albeit less directly clear, but that's another means of progression forward of unraveling the mystery. Right. And specifically, right. Like the whole reason that we figure out the number is going down, like obviously it's about, her like you know learning about herself and, and and growing and maturing and stuff like that but like the reason that it goes down is when she acknowledges like i'm running away from my problems and i can't do that mm-hmm. anymore and mm-hmm. that's when it goes down and like and i'm like oh my god wait that was so cool because like as the cat says everyone has their own tape everyone is running away from their own problems and then as you said before the fact that amelia has all these numbers all across her body i'm like Holy shit, she is like gone so she, far down. She's been the, running down from the yeah. problems. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's here's the thing, and I guess this is sort of my like overall take on this show, if you will, my broad view assessment of why I like it so much. We've talked before on this show that I my whole my biggest thing that I love to see is character arcs and character development and seeing characters that we like kind of identify their own shit and like you know, grow or not grow, but develop as people from start to end. I like seeing that journey. I like following characters along in that journey. And I think Infinity Train is just a masterclass of packing a lot of very honest and very real and very natural character progression into a really short period of time. It doesn't waste any moments, but it doesn't overemphasize any moments either. It feels realistic it feels very easy to follow and it's very very deeply satisfying at least to me to see how much tulip grows as a person and then on top of that for it to be revealed at the end that that is the literal purpose of the existence of the train i mean there are so many ways that the like the 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 setting and the setup and the sort of uh concept the high concept of the show is reflected in the way it was written. I mean, we talked about how, I've talked about how the seasons are these self-contained little arcs, you know, much in the same way that the the train cars are their own little self-contained experiences. You know, the, the train in the narrative exists to make people better. And the show kind of in this meta narrative sense, it's about people's journeys to become better. I mean, it's all just, it all wraps together so neatly and so satisfyingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. it's definitely one of the best well thought out concepts for a show I've ever encountered. And I really love how each of these episodes is like a marker on Tulip's journey uh, to like come to terms with herself, come to terms with her family's situation. I mean, we have the backstory episode where she realizes that she's been uh, creating these false memories in order to keep herself happy. We have the literal self-actualization episode where she, I mean, she talks to her reflection and her reflection, like, talks to her and says, like, Here, here's the problems that you have. Like, why are you in your room all the time? Uh, why don't you go out and talk to people? Uh, and, I mean, it's 
pretty on the nose if you think about it, but it was handled in such a well, such a great way that, uh, I mean, it just worked. It, it was and, like, it was handled in a way that only this show could do it. Like, there was, like, in in a sense, like, specifically the, the it's called the Crystal Car, right? Is that, is mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. Like, in and of itself, the concept is interesting, but then it's, it's, it's like it's working on so many different levels at once. Like, actual literal reflections and, like, having the sort of self-reflective sort of moment and then having oh, no, no no that the episode with the reflections is the chrome car the crystal car is the one where she has to like sing with, with uh, you're right Mario. sorry about that which is which is another great moment though <laughs> i was gonna mention if you didn't like the whole like you in order to progress you have to like take a second like stop being so self-critical yeah. like allow yourself some real emotional expression right another important thing that tulip wasn't doing right um anyway uh where, where was i fuck i completely lost the trade of trade of thought <laughs> train car uh, <laughs> um, yeah like like i i guess just just like just to wrap things up because I, I i completely lost what i was about to say but it felt like you couldn't it was very difficult or it would be difficult to do something like that in a show that wasn't this show and that for me is like uh uh a, a, like an example of how good the concept of the show is that like there are these you know might like uh self-contained things where like anything can happen um and so you can you can basically stretch the sort of realities uh, and things that you can talk about just because of it's because of the train itself and and honestly this is a take that i think actually this is one of the higher forms of praise i could give to a piece of media like this it is so good that i don't want any more than they are giving us. Right. And let me explain what I mean by that. There's a lot packed into a lot of really short periods of time. You know, not just like the character development that we're talking about, you know, how all these these uh, narrative devices serve multiple purposes. You know, they give us backstory in Tulip. They allow her to, you know, they, they tie her character arc to her literal kind of plot progression. You know, it, it sets up the world, right? The mythos of this train and this universe. And, you know, there's so much to be, discussed about the aesthetics but like all of it is very concentrated like randall for example fascinating character (laughs) he's on screen for like two minutes we never see him again but he left such a strong impression on us that he was literally the first character mentioned on our favorite characters section earlier there's so much that happens and yet all of it is so thoughtful and so like you know well and clearly premeditated and works exactly in the way that it needs to, to the extent that we need to that i honestly think that if if this were to, if they were to say you know make okay we're going to we're going to we've made our mini series season 2 is going to be you know like a 20 episode you know 20 minute episode uh show and we're going to really dive into the train the people i don't think it would work as well i think it would suffer for that and i think it is a very powerful thing in narrative writing like this to do exactly what you're trying to do and no more you know i think it's a very powerful thing to say we're going to have all these like really intense characters and really intense situations and really intense environments and they're going to be on screen for just a little bit and that's all we need them to do mm-hmm. yeah and i think like you said michael the the sort of nature of the show and the train and the different cars uh, are like the perfect environment for a story like the one we see in season one where Tulip needs to grow and change. And we can see that reflected in all those 
different uh, wacky environments that she lands in. But I mean, that was the part of the show that was a little bit slow for me at the beginning, the sort of wackiness, uh, the nature of the show that uh, I, I was waiting for in the first couple episodes. I've, I was wondering, where's the show going? What's happening right now? But that all changed uh, in episode eight of season one, because That's I mean, one. it's called the ball pit car. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, it's going to be another wacky adventure. Uh, and it is for like the first five minutes. There's this ridiculous ball pit with uh, what's, what's his name? Like khaki pants or something. Khaki, yeah. Uh, Mr. Khaki pants, the little stuffed rabbit. Mm-hmm. And then everything changes. There's a complete 180 tone shift as the steward and as Amelia in her like mechanical conductor suit comes and shoots shoots Atticus <laughs> shoots my boy <laughs> I was and, like oh shit and like at the end of that episode it's like revenge of the Sith I mean they're left in a hopeless <laughs> hopeless position I see. Uh, with like everything's destroyed Atticus is turned into a cockroach dog uh, that sucks people's souls. But yeah, I that was the moment when I was absolutely hooked. I'm like, okay, I got to find out what's next. Yeah, I mean, I think season eight is a really great distillation episode of... Eight. or Yeah, sorry, episode eight is a really great distillation of what they're doing broadly with the like overarching kind of tonal and aesthetic stuff. Because like really... Throughout the whole season, right, throughout the whole series, there's sort of these two different aesthetic worlds we live in. There's inside the cars and there's outside the cars. And inside the cars, there are all these wacky environments that are sort of, you know, like, like whimsical and absurd and inane and arbitrary, right? You have the, the, the car with the, you know, you touch the walls and blocks come out and they play musical notes or everything's a reflection. Or there's the one that's the, you know, giant, like, bank financial report, you know, it's, 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 it's whimsy. It's like Alice in Wonderland kind of stuff. And then outside the cars, it's this like stark and dark and cold, empty world, this flat, barren landscape, you know, the, the gigantic metal train just roaring along, you know, this infinite nothingness, you know, the sky is dark and, you know, there's monsters around everywhere. And it's, it's, I, I think, what episode eight does is it takes both of those worlds and just like jams them together. Like, cause the beginning part of episode eight is like kind of a non story in some ways. Like it's the cute, you know, like it's there in their stride and they're doing the adventuring together until was feeling great about herself. And she's resolved so many of her problems. And now they're, you know, she's like just getting to have fun walking through a kid's like play jungle thing. And then the train comes in and the outside of the car the monsters the metal robots the 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 cold and the steel and the synth just just gets jammed right in there with no warning and no preparation and you know we end on a an incredibly dark note you know it's the sort of the 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 down tick at the end of act two before our hero you know figures out the final thing that she needs to and saves the day ultimately but it's it's really stark and you I don't think I, I don't think anyone is prepared when watching this show to like see the like body horror kind of stuff that happens to Atticus. Yeah, I mean it's terrifying. That, oh yeah, that was the sort of culmination of everything. And some of the images 
even uh, before episode eight, uh, like you were mentioning, I think Michael, that yeah, there are some really scary images in this uh, in this animated miniseries, and that all came to a head. I feel in episode eight, and that was when we were introduced to the conductor, quote unquote, of Amelia, and we don't really know her backstory then. And I already talked about how uh, she made an impression on me uh, in that episode, but I really love her character because she is. I think we've alluded to this already. She is almost an inverse reflection of tulip because she is i mean she's what tulip could have become if she uh didn't start learning lessons on the train if she just wanted to go back to her uh, old life where her parents were together and I, i really love that sort of juxtaposition between tulip and amelia because we really see not only like how they act, but also physically, like you said, Iris, with the numbers, how the farther and farther back Amelia goes, the higher her number grows. And I wanted to get what you guys thought about um, the two characters and how they sort of played off one another. And moreover, just talk about uh, Amelia and her backstory. Well, I want to first shout out the way that they they kind of develop the conductor over the course of the show because through the first like four episodes we're actually convinced the conductor is kind of a good guy like we just have to find the conductor so that tulip can just go home like the conductor will just help out and do that and then the first time we see the conductor is when she and the steward come into the cat's home and basically are like don't fuck up ever again or i'm gonna kill you and like the conductor doesn't say anything I thought what was what was really interesting is that she doesn't actually say any spoken word. It's literally just little the blips that come out uh, of her suit that are essentially instructing the steward to do all of the bad things. So we are told the conductor is the antagonist behind the antagonist, as as Michael had mentioned, but we're not explicitly told like that the conductor has any of the antagonistic agency. The antagonistic agency still stands with the steward, which we already know is is a bad guy because he shoots fucking machine guns out of her eyes or whatever. <laughs> um, and I think I think slowly kind of chipping away at what the conductor is and then eventually having her moment of, of what is we assume is triumph in episode 8 is a great way to kind of introduce this truly human character who has really lost a lot of her, her humanity just as a person. Uh, she's, you know, very frustrated with Tulip, uh, very frustrated with 1-1, one, one, uh, and really just does not want to have these what are essentially hooligans on her train ruining her ability to get back to the life that she wants so she's incredibly selfish she is truly antagonistic and i think that development was great it was well done it was carefully done like a lot of other things in this show yeah and i think on that point it's even uh worth pointing out that in that episode the cat's car when we first meet the conductor not only does she not say anything but she's not identified right like the 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 steward does all the talking to the cat you know the 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 whole you know don't fuck up again or we will kill you but like they don't even identify her as the conductor it's just you know creepy robot thing behind the other creepy robot thing with machine guns for eyes it's not until 
you know, episode eight, when the the steward comes in and it's destroying everything. And there's this one moment of like, why are you doing this? Who are you? You can't do this. And yes, I can. I'm the conductor. And then, the, you know, and that's like sort of just, just, just baked into this like tragic downfall at the end of the episode because she's lost Atticus. She's lost sort of this lifeline because the conductor is trying to fucking kill her. You know, uh, it's it's brutal. But I think it's also worth talking about just like the menace in episode eight when we like properly meet her for the first time. And because it's not just the fact that she's threatening physical violence. She says some pretty fucked up things to Tulip. Like, you know, uh, she, 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 there's a line about, you know, oh, no dog, no parents. Oh, oh yeah. What will you lose next? Yeah, poor little child. Oh, yeah. And she like the whole thing about tears like, away. Yeah. Yeah. Like picking her up, like, like hoisting her with a big robot arm and just like, oh, don't worry, darling. No more tears. Wiped your tears away. Uh, you know, and then the whole like thing is that, uh, you know, when they first meet, it's, you know, why are you doing this? Oh, well, no, Tulip, this is your fault. They had a place on this train and you took them out of it. If you had just left well enough alone, they would have been fine. It's your fault. Like, this is a like 60 or 50 something. Like, she is elderly. She, like, talking to a 13 year old. Like, holy shit. It is messed up, the kind of things she says to Tulip. And like, that just on top of the... The, the 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 menace of just like the the robot body and the robot voice on top of the physical violence that she's like threat it's like it is potent it is a potent introduction and i think the choice to make amelia a member of the train like in the same way that you know that tulip is like a passenger a passenger right exactly is like it's uh, it's so bold because like <laughs> I, I could imagine an alternate universe where, like, the conductor, you know, was still evil and all that stuff. But, like, you know, his job was to make sure that none of the passengers ever left and stayed in their place. And only, like, the passengers had to overcome challenges in order to, like, overcome the conductor's thing and get out or something like that. You know, I, you know it's like, it'd be it'd be lazy sort of story writing. But, like, um, like and Tulip says it. Like, to, after watching Amelia's tape, she's like, oh, okay, that sucks now. Like... Now I think of her as a human being with yeah, problems, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, that, that was that. It was such a good choice to like mm-hmm. to do that, and I, I don't. And have that a lot particular of like bit of dialogue, that particular bit of dialogue, I want to just shout up as one of the many many moments where you can actually where they don't like point it out, but if you are looking closely, you can watch tulips number changing in real time yeah mm-hmm. um there's a there's a whole discussion to be had in a couple minutes i want to just briefly touch on about sort of the level of detail that goes into a lot of it but you know one of the little highly you know if you're paying a lot of attention moments is when she's saying that you know i don't want to think of her like as a real person because first she was just evil and then it was fine but now i know why she's doing this and that makes it harder if in between little shots where you get glimpse of a, glimpses of her right palm you see her number go down yeah it's really powerful stuff and and that that moment is like i believe the last moment that gets her down to zero i think it is that last that is her last kind of task to overcome helping amelia come to terms with her because she sees amelia and she's like yeah oh shit she's like me we're both Mm -hmm. running away from our problems that we can't fix Fuck. yeah yeah both of them want to return to their old lives but they need to learn how to well, live with the the cards life has dealt them, and one accepts that, while the other is look is rejecting that and looking for a way out. I think it's just such a good comparison to have the two kind of meet at the end of the train, and 
and at the end of the season. By the way, uh, can yeah. we? Uh, can we, sorry, very quickly. Can we all just praise the the one fellow who exited the train it, as as soon as Tulip got on it? Uh, that fellow learned some good life lessons. Yeah, <laughs> he must have gone through yeah. a very interesting story that we're never gonna see. <laughs> also, I love just that scene where uh, the where Amelia is like typing in the computer, and you see all of these different people uh, on the train, and you see their numbers, and some of them are like oh, yeah. super high. Yeah. Well, oh, some of them yeah. are. No, like, we we without getting into too many spoilers for season two, that that idea really gets expanded upon. Mm-hmm. You know, just the 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 sheer number of other passengers on the infinitely long train. Uh, but before we get too far away from it, I do just want to point out one thing real quick about sort of Amelia and Tulip as being the two different reactions to this same problem, right? The problems in their life they cannot solve and running away from them. And, you know, we said Amelia doubles down on it. Tulip actually learns to confront her problems and, like, accept them. And I think it's another... I just want to point this out as another example of the incredible way that this show uses these stark juxtapositions next to each other. You know, it's all over the place. You know, Amelia and Tulip as separate sides of the same sort of emotional... I don't know if I want to say trauma, but like the same problem. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And just to round out our conversation about the show, uh, let's dive into the, what you were saying, Iris, like the detail of the show, because this show is beautiful. Uh, in as that's kind oh, of an understatement. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's so stark, is what it is, right? Like it it packs so many questions into every little answer about what's going on in the universe and i think you know the discussion of like kind of the philosophy behind the train what is it here for why does it exist is something that could fill up a whole nother podcast episode but just like the little glimpses we get into the world that if you are paying attention to add so much i mean i talked about the part where you see tulip's number changing in real time there's a lot of them if you like pause the frame and and look as she's saying certain lines throughout the whole season you see her number like go up and down by little bits did anyone Um, else see the randall toy in the ballpark yes yeah Yeah. Uh uh-huh uh-huh it was like i'm randall there's a randall toy in the in the in the ballpark um we mentioned earlier how the steward shows up like three separate times in the ball pit episode as a shadow on the back wall uh it's little things like the way the orbs are introduced. You know, they become a major plot point in episode, I believe it is six, the, the unfinished yeah, the car. Down, yeah, stuff. Uh, with the turtles and the, you know, the, the, the broken buildings and everything. But, like, they're introduced all the way back in episode three. It's just kind of sitting there, you know, and they don't really question it. They don't really examine it too much. They're just like, oh, what's this orb? And then, you know, the steward shows up, and that's obviously the bigger problem. But, like, I feel like a lot of the detail work... You know, some of it's like like call outs and references, you know, like the Randall toy. Some of it's, you know, little tiny bits of plot, like the number changing and like the shadow of the steward showing up early. And some of it is like a really great window into, I guess, like the mythos of this universe. I kind of just want to pause the scene where we look at the cat's car and just like look around to see what else she uh, has. Because I feel like there's a be lot so of much stuff in there. in there. Yeah, I'm certain. Yeah, <laughs> I'm absolutely certain. Yeah, and I think it's because of the show's length, the fact that they only had 10-minute episodes that they were allowed or able to pour that much detail and that much thought into each scene, each background image of all these episodes. So yeah, it's, it's very, just... It's very dense. Yes. In a good way. Like, in a good way. I, 
I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to speculate too much, but I'm fairly certain I remember actually seeing that if you like go when the when Amelia is like flipping through the list of people. I'm fairly certain that one of the people we flip by is one of our protagonists for season two. Oh. Hmm. I could be mistaken about that, but I feel like I remember reading that. Interesting. Well, to the subreddit you know. we go. <laughs> or just watch the rest of the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, first you got to watch it and not get spoiled by the subreddit. Then That's true. The I, I, I will just say that I'm definitely going to binge the rest of... Uh, infinity train because from what i've seen from season one and from what i've heard about the other two seasons Wait, i feel I like have, this i have a question though Sh- hmm? or should do we need to watch the documentary shorts uh they're they're cute okay. but they don't really have a whole lot of plot relevance okay i, I was mm-hmm. i was curious i was like what the heck is this so they're like one one talking about cars they're just shorts yeah. yeah um i mean if i mean i mean marcus if you like ben mendelson you'll love season two <laughs> it's just all one one right <laughs> Well, uh, no, goodness. Well, the oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, you said season one two. One. I thought I, I thought you were talking about the shorts. Yeah. S- season two is Mirror Tulip and the, the cops chasing her, so. Yeah. Well, hold on. No spoilers. I haven't well, that's, watched That's how it, it starts. I'm it sure literally that's how it starts. How it it's just, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that, is, that is literally how it oh, starts. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to watch uh, the rest of the these seasons and also see where this uh, show goes because I think just the in the topics that were discussed and the way that they were discussed in season one, I'm really excited to see what they talk about and what they have to comment on in the next two seasons. So yeah, we will be keeping an eye on this and who knows, maybe we'll come back with a later podcast episode once infinity train is officially done and look at the series as a whole. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're making a season four, but if they are, I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for us this week thank you so much for listening uh this week's youtube video that you can watch online is well you probably saw this coming from a mile away but it is the infinity train short that is on the cartoon network youtube channel so go oh, check the pilot out. sorry you mean the pilot the pilot that's it oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah so go watch go watch episode three i exactly. would say the animation style on the pilot is markedly worse like I mean, yeah, it's a pilot. I, I, but it's yeah. a good summary of like everything that the show has to offer, I feel like. So if you, you're interested in the show and you like the pilot, definitely check it out. All right. But once again, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. And you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thanks, y'all.